Welcome to Getting Off with Natalie and Rocky, where we help you to create more safety and enjoyment in the bedroom. I'm Natalie Viers, a pleasure and intimacy coach. And I'm Rocky Peterson, Yoni massage practitioner and pleasure educator. This is a space where you get to open your mind, be free of your inhibitions and play. Hello, and welcome to our next episode of Getting Off with Natalie and Rocky. I'm Rocky. And I'm Natalie. And today we are going to talk about why good quality sex is way better than porn sex. And in that, we're going to uh, kind of dissect, you know, how we look at porn and bring it into our relationship and how that can have impacts that are, well, let's just say not as positive as you might like them to be. I kind of want to change that label from like quality sex to intimate sex versus porn sex. Okay. That's a good point. I mean, quality, intimate, um, it depends on, you know, where you're at at the moment. It's a little bit subjective, but when I, I wrote this topic and when I said, quality sex, I really was thinking intimate sex, but you know, for the heading, you know, I used quality, but yeah, it really is going to be about intimate. Well, that poses an interesting question. Like can, can sex truly be quality without the element of intimacy? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't really think so. Okay. (laughs) But I want to hear your answer. That's 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 tough because I mean, you know, there are times that I'm gonna I'm gonna put it out there that you know, us guys, you know, we need a receptacle, you know, and we've we've talked about that kind of thing before. And is that quality? Well, yeah, it sure can be. Really, we might not even like you. I'd like to challenge that. Like, is that really quality? How are we defining quality if a receptacle is quality? <laughs> ah, because we get to orgasm. So quality sex equals orgasm? Well, that could be some people's perspective. And that's why we're really having this conversation today. And this whole podcast is kind of exploring the difference between what's quality and you know what's intimate. Well, I think that commentary there just highlighted the fact that pretty much everyone's idea of what quality sex is needs a bit of a, a makeover, <laughs> an update. And if, I mean, we're having this conversation to create a distinction between what we see in porn versus what quality sex actually is. And if a man orgasming equals quality sex, then a lot of women are really disappointed by quality sex. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's that's so much what we want to help people understand that maybe there's more that you're not aware of, you know, in that you don't know what you don't know sort of mentality that just having an orgasm may feel wonderful, but oh my gosh. Maybe it could be so much better. I think that's a great signal. Like if you're a man and you think that having an orgasm equals great sex, then there's a lot for you to learn and expose yourself to. And this is why we're having this conversation about porn in particular, because porn seems to be the go-to for mental stimulation 
masturbation material. It's it's a go-to for so many things to do with sex. It's like, okay, I'm not sure what to do. So I'm going to go look at some porn about a particular subject. I'm horny. I go to porn. I watch it. I masturbate. That was good. (laughs) Or, you know, we went to porn and we got excited and we, you know, had some passionate sex and it was good. So, you know, what you're trying to say is there's a belief system about it. And the belief system is, okay, a sexual encounter is quality in and of itself because, well, maybe hopefully we both had an orgasm, but for whoever had the orgasm, hopefully they felt like it was quality. And unfortunately, all too often we, you know, go down that path and somebody doesn't have an orgasm because, you know, the passion and all of the excitement and experience about it was bigger than reality for somebody. And so I hate to blame everything on men or say, you know, that we're a problem, but unfortunately for us, it is easier to get to orgasm. Our genitals seem to be highly excitable and easily orgasmic. And unfortunately, women need a little bit more time and porn kind of takes away from that. Porn, you know, gets us going earlier if us guys are looking at it because we're so visual and that literally triggers pre-orgasmic contractions and pulsing and the erection and all these things. We're already started when we start looking. So we might be watching, let's say we're watching something for a half an hour. We're having contractions. We're having little mini orgasms for a half an hour before we even, you know, engage physically. So if two people are watching porn together, she might not be getting as much of a physical response from the visual that he's getting. So he's moving ahead faster than she is. And he's ready before she is. And, you know, the consequence of that is, you know, somebody's going to be disappointed. Which is the consequence if all the focus is on orgasm. Like if, if that's all anybody's thinking about when engaging in sex and we're treating orgasm as the goal of sex and like that's all we're thinking about. Yeah, you're pretty much loading yourself up for some disappointment because that's a lot of pressure on both parties. And it's really like it's really kind of missing the point. It's funny because so much of what is suggested when you want to like learn how to be adventurous in the bedroom is watch porn and try to you know follow along with porn. But none of those techniques that you see in porn are what is actually pleasurable. It's just what's visually stimulating because that's what porn is created for, to visually stimulate. It's not created to create real pleasure. I think that an excellent qualifier for defining what quality sex is, what intimate sex is, is sex with connection. Sex with emotional connection not just physical connection, not just energetic connection, emotional connection where you are engaged in an intimacy on a level where the idea of referring to a woman as a receptacle would never occur to you. (laughs) You know, I was just being facetious. I know. And it's a touchy spot for us because it, it feels so dehumanizing to be thought of that way when we so desperately want connection during sex. 
And it feels like this really like distancing language that like, how do you bridge that gap? It's so objectifying. And so porn sex is receptacle sex. That is what teaches that mentality. And that's what normalizes that mentality. I don't actually think that that's true for men at all. Like sometimes men just need a receptacle. I think that's total bullshit. I think that that is a fabrication of a a culture, a pornographic culture that is built to encourage men to jack off as much as possible because when they are, they're consuming more porn. Porn is designed to be addictive. Porn gives us hits of dopamine when we watch it, just like when we play an addictive video game or watch an addictive show. It's meant to hook us and to keep us there. And so, you know, when you were saying earlier, like porn does the job, I'm like, yeah, And for some men, especially, but women too, but mainly men, it does the job again and again and again and again for hours at a time. And it becomes this like deep dive experience where it can really consume a lot of someone's time. You know, I'd love to, I'd love to chime in with a, an analogy here and it would be something like cigarettes. Okay. We can all agree that, okay, we now know cigarettes are bad. You know, even if you smoke, you probably don't want to. You'd probably rather quit if you could. But when they produce cigarettes, they put chemicals in the tobacco that make you continue to want it in spite of how bad it is for you. So porn is a lot like that. They're putting something in it that, yeah, you may look good or it may do something for you. Cigarettes, you know, you used to be cool when you smoked cigarettes or, you know, you you fit in or, you know, there was some other benefit or else we wouldn't have done it. Right. So there's kind of a similar thing with porn in that, you know, you look like you know what you're doing if you're changing positions or, you're, you know, you're trying different things or whatever the case may be. Yeah. I want to comment on what they're putting in it. Yeah. It's just theatrics. Go ahead. It's theatrics and it's specifically theatrics that support patriarchal thinking, right? They are theatrics that support largely the subjugation of women, like the use of women as sexual objects. And men and women are, are turned on by this alike. Like We all like it on our shadowy side. I think what they're putting in the porn is the shadow side of our desires, the stuff that, that turns us on collectively that maybe isn't necessarily all that healthy for us that it turns us on, right? right. In the same yeah. way that a woman, a woman can totally be physically and even emotionally turned on by the idea of like being used as a set of holes. But is that actually a, you know, a healthy spot to be in? You know, is that, is that a place where we want our turn on to be? And if not, how do we shift that? Yes and no. Yes. If she's connected and she's got the emotional connection with somebody yes. and now she's exploring yes. that side of herself. Absolutely. Yes. The safety to enjoy that exploration. I agree. Totally. Yeah. But no, if she's being, you know, kind of blindsided with it, 
know if it's being treated as like this dominant cultural taste or like sexual identity that where, especially in hookup culture, a lot of what people do say someone's, someone identifies as being particularly submissive because they're turned on by aspects of that dynamic. They may approach a new sexual partner and sort of like dive right into trying to apply aspects of that dynamic because that's what they've seen in porn and they've seen it performed in this way or that way. And that is what sets them up for potential harm. That's what's lacking in safety because there there hasn't been all of that foundation laid with an intimate partner where you know that you are holistically safe to explore the stuff that is maybe lacking in safety um, normally. Are you excited to explore the world of pleasure? If so, head to getting off with natalieandrocky.com where you can choose your own adventure. So there's so much to talk about here on safety. So one of the things that I want to bring up is there are statistics and you can Google it. I don't know exactly what the numbers are, but there has been a dramatic increase in sexual injuries to women at the ER. And this comes from women being pressured to submit to things like fisting, large objects, large anal insertions, you know, the more outlandish things that porn depicts as somehow pleasurable. Not saying that there aren't situations where women enjoy something larger than a penis to be inserted, but not under pressure not in a situation where, you know, she's got doubts and, you know, submits to it anyway. This is something that has to be worked up to. This take These kinds of things take time and a lot of really emotional connection to be able to do this. Massive amounts of trust. And massive uh, amounts of trust and a solid buy-in on her part, Almost, almost where she's seen it and said, okay, I want to try that. Authentic desire is what I refer to it as. Yes. She has to authentically desire it. Absolutely. So, I mean, if she says no guys, or I'm not ready for it or whatever, move on to something else for now until you are building up more of that trust with her that she can feel safe that you're going to know how to do this right. And so this is where the emotional part comes in. This is where communication comes in and you being able to talk about things that are sexual and interesting, maybe that you've seen on porn. I mean, we can talk about what we see and what we're interested in without too much harm. You know, hey, honey, have you ever thought about, you know, having more than just, you know, two fingers in your vagina? Would, do you think you could accommodate three or four? Would that interest you? Uh, yeah, maybe not so much. Okay. You know, move on. But maybe, yeah, maybe she says, or that big dildo, or maybe, you know, she chimes in that's something else that she feels safe with. So maybe she, you know, gives you a counter offer. 
That's the kind of communication. And then, Natalie, tell us some more about what you mean by emotional connection. Because I know that just the being able to talk about sex is not in any way stretch of the imagination comprehensive in emotional connection. In fact, that's just a small piece of it. Yeah. So emotional connection, what I mean, men are very directly focused, right? So if a man is desiring sex, that's probably likely all he's thinking about and his energy, his attention, his efforts are going in that direction and he's desiring sex. That can feel like a lot of pressure coming at us as a woman because a man's intention, his will is very powerful, right? He's he's going for what he wants. I think one of the things that we are regularly missing as women is this feeling like as you're coming for sex, you're remembering that you're engaging with us as a whole person. So I think that's why that that like kind of sense of objectification happens a lot because men can be so narrowly focused on sex to the degree where they're really just thinking about the holes. <laughs> And we need to broaden the scope a little bit and remember that like you're connecting with someone's heart when you're having sex with them and you are connecting with their brain and you are touching aspects of them that only you have the privilege of touching right now. And that's really special. A good friend of mine says, you got to fuck my mind before you can fuck my body. Yeah. And we've we've talked about that. And that's definitely a huge part of it. Attunement is a huge part of it. It helps so much if I feel like you are plugged into what my energy is doing, what my emotions are doing, what's going on for me. It helps a lot if you come to us with some of your providership as well. If I have a partner and I know that he is wanting to have sex with me and he stops to you know, ask if... I want a snack or if I've had enough water to drink today or, you know, if there's any small thing he can do to help me out. I really want to like hammer home to men how big of a difference that kind of stuff makes to us as women in the bedroom. It's a huge part of feeling tended to and cared for holistically, like not getting too laser focused on the pussy. (laughs) Well, I'm 62 and I have to admit when I was younger, I was kind of blinded. You know, I, there were times that it felt like I could not figure women out. It's like, I know women want it as much as I do, but why is it that I'm not able to find that method to get close enough to you to be attuned and, and be emotionally connected? And, you know, in hindsight, it was really so simple I just needed to be, I'm going to paraphrase here, more of a friend, really. You know what I mean? More, as you've said, interested in what's going on with you, interested in who you are, where are you with things in the world? I mean, you know, it could be anything and everything, but holding off on letting my libido lead. Everything else had to lead except my libido. And, and I, kind of didn't know how to do that. Yeah. And I think that that is a huge piece of this. I think that a lot of men are 
painfully lacking in their emotional connection and their friendship skills. We're going to keep coming back to that original crime, which is young men being disconnected from their emotions. When we lose touch with our own emotions, it becomes a lot more difficult to navigate the emotions of others. So really, and I think this is the case for you, Rocky, I think that you've done work to reconnect to your emotions in in a lot of ways. And so I think it became easier for you to connect with women, especially over time, as those skills improved. But we have an epidemic of lonely men out there, men who don't know how to connect. And I was married to someone who doesn't know how to emotionally connect. And I didn't realize when I was younger how problematic that would be for me over time. But it's incredibly lonely to not know how to emotionally connect and therefore incredibly lonely to be with someone who doesn't know how to emotionally connect. It's a result of trauma. It's a result of that original trauma when young boys don't get to have their feelings. And the healing that needs to take place for men is reconnecting to their own emotions, validating them, learning to operate while remaining in touch with them again, learning to connect through vulnerability, like actually allowing your feelings to be witnessed by your partner. For a lot of men, it's a huge ask. But it's, it truly is the missing ingredient in that intimate connection is that, you know, those friendship skills need working on. Those muscles need to be built up. What does it mean to be a friend to each other? It's interesting in hindsight, you know, that probably most people have some friends, you know, of the opposite sex and maybe the same, you know, maybe several more of the same sex. And you know, we get more practice with people that are the same sex. It's it's really kind of odd in our culture that we spend so much time with, especially when we're young, people of the same sex. So we kind of get a, a good vibe on how to, if I meet a new young guy, I kind of know how to talk to him because we all kind of have our language and then women have their language and it's like we come together to somebody that's the opposite sex. And it's like, oh, something isn't working. I'm awkward. And boom, I'm out. I'm rejected because, you know, I'm somehow inappropriate. Or, and it may not even have anything to do with my libido leading. It may be just trying to have a conversation with somebody that doesn't know me and and she's got a chip on her shoulder or a trauma or whatever, and and I don't fit, and so I'm rejected. So what I think happens is we, you know, kind of get to where it's like, okay, maybe I don't need that kind of woman that is, uh, you know, too critical of my emotions uh, or my vulnerabilities or whatever. Maybe I need a fuck buddy. I just need somebody that is as interested in in sex as I am. And those girls that are too picky about it. Okay. Well, I'm just going to, you know, they're, they're too much trouble. They, they, I, I just get rejected. So, I mean, for you guys, I, I get why this seems awkward, but here's the point that I want to make. Don't let what happened when you were like before 20 years old, have 
any impact on who you are today. This is really where I can see the line drawn in the sand between where it was not okay for us to be emotional and where it kind of started to be okay for us to be emotional. The older we get, the more okay it is for us. And so claim it sooner than later. Go out there and practice with women and be vulnerable. And, and you know, talk to women that you don't have any sexual interest in whatsoever just to practice being connected to somebody in mm-hmm. a more of a friendship way. I'm like hearing you dance around this and I'm, and I'm wanting to laugh. Like, go ahead. Can, can men and women be platonic friends? Mm, yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they can. They can. You it's and quite, I are. It's it, exactly. It's, it, it's challenging, but how does that happen? How do we get there? I am a massive, massive, massive believer in the ability of men and women to be platonic friends. I think that we have all kinds of tropes about it not being possible because we haven't been asking a lot of each other, frankly. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of this healing that needs to happen between men and women will happen when we start to engage more platonically with each other. For me personally, I had to really grow into my ability to be platonic friends with men. I had a lot of experience in my past that did not impress me, that did not make me think very highly of men. And uh, I definitely had a chip on my shoulder for a while. And I had to consciously remove the chip and basically clean the slate for men and decide the new experience I was going to create with men. And I started looking for what I respect in men and what I honor in men, what I appreciate about them. And I started looking for men that exude those qualities. And I started looking to connect with them. I feel very lucky because I am uh, a part of some social circles, some professional circles that are filled with men who are leaders, men who are consciously aware of the role that they play and who are actively looking to serve their communities. And I feel abundantly surrounded by men who I really look up to, which I think is something that a lot of women can't say today. I think a lot of women feel stuck, surrounded by men that they don't feel respect for. So I I do want to say that I chose to respect men. I chose to create a respectful relationship with men. It was not something that happened organically. I set the intention and I created that reality for myself. And because I made that decision, because I chose to operate that way, I now have friendships with men where I really get to enjoy all the all the gifts of masculinity that come from a man. This is the case in my in my relationship with you, Rocky. There's lots of like masculine benefits that come from knowing you. And we have a healthy boundaried relationship where all of our agreements and how we relate to each other are on the table and and clear and understood and that's how any friendship works, really. Once you get to an established place, this person is my friend, then you just have a set of agreements between you 
on, you know, this is, this is our dynamic. This is how we're going to operate together. So it's a choice. You are a highly sexual man with a sexual business. And we have experienced crossover of that line through the business. And yet you're able to move with pristine boundaries when it comes to our relationship, our friendship, right? None of those lines ever get crossed. It doesn't occur to you to do that because you just, you don't have any need or desire. There's nothing coming from your end where you would, you feel you would benefit to cross any boundaries. So is it true that some men make friends with women because they're hoping to get laid? Absolutely. But it's also true that there are plenty of men out there who are emotionally capable and mature enough to establish a friendship that is just a friendship. Lots of married men can be friends with women and they can still be faithful to their wives. I think that it's really important that we hold this belief and this vision that this kind of platonic relating is possible because that's what makes it so. When we continue to feed the trope that men are animals, they can't control themselves. All they ever think about is sex. And that's why men and women can't be friends. I mean, come on. It's not giving men enough credit. Men are more than that. So much more. Okay. So first, thank you. That was so kind of you to say. And I respect that hell out of you. And I also want to say, I think you are absolutely nailing it in the idea of platonic relationships. And what I want to say about that for guys is if you can reverse your objective from your interest being about sex first and platonic relationship evolving out of that and literally push your libido completely aside and go in and look to be friends, platonic friends with women. This will absolutely change the whole dynamics of what's happening for you sexually. And I'm going to go a little bit further and say, okay, let's say you happen to work with a woman that's drop dead gorgeous and you want to be in her pants more than anything you can imagine. Again, if you put that aside and go in and be friends, I'm not going to suggest that it's ever going to turn out that you're going to get into her pants. Okay. I don't want to say that. It could, if you become friends and she likes you and trusts you and feels safe with you and feels emotionally connected, maybe she's available. Things could happen. But on the flip side of that, what could happen is maybe she's not single or maybe she's not interested or attracted or whatever. Maybe she loves you as a friend, but sex with her is just not in the cards. That's okay. She's going to introduce you to her friends or something you know, like that is going to happen. There's a lot of other possibilities that come out of places you just have no expectations whatsoever, no idea, because you are being connected and being a friend. So get out there and, and not to mention, it's just damn good practice. So, so that when you do meet you know, somebody that is the right fit for you, you've got the skills to engage with her and do that dance, as Natalie says. 
<laughs> I mean, not to mention just like the gifts that come out of a friendship in general, like a new friend, right? <laughs> like forget where it could lead, just mm -hmm. the experience of having a friend, having someone who genuinely cares about you, who you genuinely care about. It's something that adds to your life. And it, it, it really is such a growth area for us in a big way. All right. So our topic, again, why good quality, intimate sex is way better than porn. I want to get a little bit back to that. And so one of the things that we've been kind of touching on is what I would call presence. Being emotionally connected is one of the first layers of presence. You're hearing what's going on. You're listening. You're engaged. You're communicating. That's a great place to be. But let's say now we're past that and we're getting into sex. So the quality part is in the presence as opposed to the theatrics. And when I say theatrics, you know, you see, you know, always the guy in porn is just banging, you know, this poor girl, you know, with all of his strength and all of the speed he can muster. He probably has to do amazing aerobic exercises just to be able to sustain the effort that he's putting forth in this activity. I hate to tell you, that's way, way, way more for theatrics than it is for anybody's pleasure. There may be a time that a woman does like to, you know, kind of speed it up and feel that the power of, you know, your thrust or whatever the case may be. I'm not saying that it's a bad thing, but I am saying don't take that as what the whole activity or the whole experience should be for her. Okay. Presence would be something where you are touching her so slowly that you're feeling contractions going on in her genitals or that moment where you're first touching her and you find the spot that's really wet and you just kind of linger there and you hear her sigh. That's the kind of thing that I'm talking about presence. They don't show that in porn. Okay. This is where you're starting to touch into her mind and emotions when she can feel like, oh, he kind of gets it. He gets it. I can relax a little bit because he's not going to do what these other guys all want to do and like go crazy on me. So presence is slowing down. It's like, for example, the theatric kiss is, you know, shoving your tongue down her throat as far as you can get it. That's the, th the theatrical kiss. But most women don't like that kind of a kiss. Most women like the, a kiss that's, you know, kind of more of a grazing across the lips and, you know, maybe a little bit of tongue. And, and, and you know, everybody's got different opinions on that. But it's not the deep tongue kiss thing. That's a preference that not very many people have. I hate that. I can't tell you how many women I hear hate that. <laughs> so that's the difference between presence and theatrics. It's kind of hard to be present if you're shoving your tongue down somebody's 
throat, that's kind of domineering. That's kind of like saying, I'm the man and I'm going to show you how it's done and you're going to take it. And to a degree it's like, oh, okay, well, he's a terrible kisser. What, I mean, you know, strike one, let's see how far we can go. And, and you may not get too much further if you're bringing in these, you know, porn theatrics. And so there's so much. And I got to tell you, almost everything, when I say presence, it's almost all the exact opposite of what the theatrics are. They do it hard. Almost in every case, everything they do, do it one-tenth of what they do and be trying to feel what's going on, trying to notice her breathing changes or her sighs or her moans or the way she moves her head or the way she kisses you while you're doing it, or there are just so many things. And that's the first thing, get rid of the theatrics. So the next thing is what I would say is feel versus see. Okay. We, as guys, we get a lot of our initial stimulation from what we see. And when you put your woman in that kind of a position that you want to see something so that you can start getting aroused, you're doing something where you're trying to kind of force her into the theatrics that porn has created. You got to put on the pretty outfit show. You got to, you got to look sexy. You got to, you got to bring something for me to look at. Yeah. I mean, that kind of mentality definitely does not make me horny. (laughs) It's interesting as a woman, you know, we know, we know how much power we have visually. We know that men are looking. We know what's happening when they're looking. And we have been asked to perform for men in so many ways for so long that it's just the same old shit, really. And it's just not that sexy to us. I mean, we'll we'll do it and we know how to do it. And when we're in a relationship where the connection is good and we feel, you know, deeply seen and appreciated as a woman, for me, I am way more motivated to give my man things to look at when I feel like he's got me, you know? But if I don't have that feeling, which you know, most men don't know how to give because they don't know how to provide this level of connection, then the it's just, eh, <laughs> just feels like, eh. So guys, this is what I'm saying. You can't, you know, go in there and have the expectation for the visuals too soon. You've got to spend more time and almost in the platonic realm. Okay. Now, if we're talking about your lover, it kind of s- sounds a little bit crazy to talk about platonic, but what the porn mentality does is it tries to speed up everything. So there, there was a doctor on the radio that used to say, men feel loved by sex. That is our bar that tells us you love us, that you'll have sex with us. So, you know, to a degree, what we're trying to do is we're trying to get 
to where we get to feel loved. I just okay. want to challenge that for a second. I think the only reason that that belief exists or that that circumstance exists that men feel loved via sex is because of how men have been reduced emotionally. Yes. Yes. That I I don't think I don't think that that's like a biologically built in. I think culture creates that situation. Oh, absolutely. It's it's totally conditioning. But yeah. but I mean, if you asked um, you know a hundred men if someone puts out if that makes them feel loved that you know they're, they're going to be kind of going yeah right they've been subject <laughs> to that conditioning and so yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Yep. so I, I'm just I'm just stating you know how we feel you know I mean I'm not saying I, I kind of wanted to defend men because I think that there's more depth there and I think that they've been reduced yeah I'm just I'm just saying this is a place where we come from. And we're trying to get to sex for whatever reason, that is one of them. And if we just slow down and, you know, kind of come in with the basics each time and reconnect, you know, like reestablish some of that platonic part, it kind of seems like a step that, you know, for us guys, it seems a little kind of unnatural if it's not happening as much as it should and it and from what i'm hearing from you natalie it's not happening as much as it should us guys need to step up and like interject okay we're here's something that we could do better and that is in our relationship when we're in the mood or we want to get close to you or whatever we can't lead with sex we have to lead more with i'm going to say platonic not because that's really what it is, but something that almost feels a, a little bit more like that, kind of reestablishing our our communication and where we are as friends and partners. I just want to say, if, if your relationship doesn't have that foundation of a platonic relationship, you are seriously missing out. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. That is such a strong dividing line when it comes to the success of a relationship. The ones that last are the ones who are best friends. So if you don't feel like your partner is your best friend, you have some best friend work to do. Yeah. This is where we, if you have the best friend thing, this is where it comes to what I call mutual buy-in because you can kind of coerce your partner into sexual activities, but that's not a mutual buy-in. That is more of a submission or an obligation, a duty that somebody's doing to like hold things over, you know, because we're in a relationship, we're married, I'm supposed to do that. But there's still going to have to be some time reconnecting. Okay. And if you keep coming in and pushing that the sex agenda first and you're not coming back and reconnecting somewhere along the line you're going downhill you're losing the uh, relationship is degrading so do it up front and you'll get more mutual buy-in she'll feel safe she'll feel like this is thoughtful connected and this is the kind of thing that you're talking about emotionally right yeah. I, I was just sitting here thinking that I've been hearing recently commentary on the suspicion that most straight men don't even like women. And that is to blame for a lot of the 
suffering in existing relationships. And this distinction is drawn around, you know, the the platonic connection. I mean, obviously men like women for sex, but it really um, in a lot of cases looks like that's all they like women for. And I think a lot of this healing for men comes back to men's relationship with their mothers and the dynamic that they had with mom and the beliefs that got implanted in their subconscious about women based on that dynamic. And I think that a lot of men are resistant to moving into a space where they like women, just like I did with men, where I decided I was going to respect men and look for things to respect in them and decided that I was going to honor them. The same decision is available to all men to decide that they're going to move into a space where they like women for more than just their set of holes. (laughs) And that is confronting for men because first they have to acknowledge to themselves that they have allowed themselves to fall into a space where they don't really act like a person who likes women, like as people. And then they have to acknowledge to themselves that there's some, some reason for that. And so it can be confronting because often that reason goes back to that relationship with mom or a previous romantic relationship where a very painful dynamic was played out. And, um, you know, we'll have this association with the opposite sex. And it's like we're wearing a a pair of shades when we're looking at all women that we've, you know, we've applied that belief to. So men have some confrontational looking to do at how they feel about women in general and connecting with women in general. Because men have been allowed to get away with saying women are confusing, women are crazy, women are mysterious, women are blah, blah. I can't figure women out. They've been allowed to get away with that this whole time. And that's just that's just an excuse to like mask that distance that's been created. We're perfectly capable of understanding each other. It's simply an effort that needs to be made. And it's a healing effort because there's pain there for men around whatever has happened with them and and women in the past. You kind of shut me down there a a little bit because I was about ready to say, I don't hear so much that men don't like women as much as they don't understand them. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm with you on what you just said. And I agree that more communication and maybe more more vulnerability and less of that, I'm a man bravado. Let's take you and I as an example. How well do you feel like you understand me as a person? I feel like I understand you pretty well. Like you don't look at me and think, God, you're a fucking mystery, Natalie. <laughs> no, because you tell me intimate things about you. You show interest. You en- You engage in that. And it seems like you care to know intimate things about me. It makes it easier for us to talk about the things that we talk about because we don't hold things back. Maybe that's it. Maybe we're holding things back because mom criticized us and, you know, mm-hmm. it's like a, or some woman criticized us. And so it's like, well, I'm not going to talk about that to women. Yes. Anymore. Some of you men are afraid of women. Ah, Now, fear, that may be something more even than mystery. Yet you're a mystery because I'm afraid of you. 
Yeah. Uh, and, and that's a real taboo topic, right? It's real commonly talked about that women are afraid of men. Men are dangerous and scary. But it is like, it's really a taboo topic to talk about the fact that men are afraid of women. Maybe I'll tell you something and you'll weaponize it against me. Maybe I will look weak if I admit that I'm afraid of women. I would say that the majority of men who are afraid of women are in denial of their fear of women and would not consciously acknowledge that fear. And it's rooted in exactly what you said, the, the criticism and control and, and things like that in the, in the past with mom. And one other thing, I think men severely underestimate women. And I think that may have a reason why they fear women because they kind of have this feeling like, okay, men are superior. Forgive me for saying that. But I mean, we, we get, you know, some signals from society, right? You men definitely think that about yourselves. <laughs> right. And then reality comes around. And it's like, oh, this woman's got more on the ball than I do. <laughs> That's emasculating or whatever. <laughs> I would double down on that and say that we drastically underestimate each other. I would say women feel superior and men feel superior. And okay. we've, been, we've been pitted against each other. And that is the result of the energy of competition versus collaboration. We're designed to operate in collaboration with each other. We're designed to be two polar opposite powers that harmonize with each other. We are not designed to compete, to have power over each other. That is all toxic shadow shit that has come from our generational stuff. It comes from the power dynamics that are rooted in our our systems are of government and the things that have most of us being fed off of <laughs> by the systems. All these things are connected and related to each other. And yeah, I think on both sides, the healing looks like recognizing that we're not giving each other enough credit and that just like you and I do on this podcast where we have these conversations from these very different perspectives and we look to bring things together we're all capable of doing that. And we do that in a way that honors that we get to maintain our differences while doing that, right? We don't need to create sameness and total agreement with each other in order to harmonize with each other. Right. We can absolutely exist with differing perspectives in harmony. But that's what we are kind of collectively evolving to understand right now is that all the ways that we're collectively pit against each other and this this you versus me stuff is is weaponized it's all used to distract us and to use us and, and to keep us from the realization that we're capable of creating harmony amongst our differences very capable because humans are loving and it's it's in our nature to support each other not try to kill each other Right on. All right. Well, we are reaching our time limit here. So our action item today, how about this? For you guys, how about going to your partner or a female that you can communicate with and seeing what you can find out about her that you don't know? 
explore her life a little bit in a way that's safe, of course. Where did you grow up? What did you like to do when you were a kid? What are your aspirations today? What, you know, what's your goals? You know, men are such focused and directed thinkers. I I really think men that you will benefit from. You can harness the way your energy naturally works, you know, in terms of going after goals. And the mistake a lot of men make is, you know, in their mind, they fix sex as the goal. And that feels threatening to us women because it bypasses a level of connection that we need to feel safe. So if you can shift your goal from sex to connection, and then your focused and directed energy is coming at me with that goal to connect. God, that's sexy. (laughs) That is sexy as hell. (laughs) That makes me want to put out. I mean, it's really pretty simple. It's, It's just a little goal shift. All right. And for ladies, how about a hurdle? I'm going to suggest to the ladies, if you've got a partner that's coming or trying to hit on you or, you know, whatever the case may be, he, he's coming to you leading with his libido. I'm going to suggest your action item is to put up a little bit of a hurdle. And the hurdle is something like, yeah, let's talk about that. Let's, let's discuss it. Some diversion that moves towards communication first, or maybe only, whatever the case may be. If it's somebody that's hitting on you, it's like, hey, yeah, you're interesting, but you know, I'd love to talk to you. Some way of putting a hurdle up there that initiates communication over action. What do you think of that one? I'd like to hear how that goes. <laughs> I, I genuinely don't know how you know the majority of men will respond to that response, especially if they're kind of used to going for it. But so I would love to hear results. (laughs) Does that sound like something that sounds too challenging? Not necessarily. It sounds to me kind of like an experiment because it's it's a real shakeup of of dynamic. I mean, it depends, you know, if if this is an established relationship and you've had sex plenty of times and, and you're kind of throwing up something to shift things a bit. It's kind of always an experiment, isn't it? Just you get feedback and response. However, the other person responds. Sometimes it's good feedback. Sometimes it's not. Some men may really struggle with that little hurdle being put up, which is still helpful information, but maybe not the kind of information you want. But again, we don't want to hide from receiving that kind of information. We want, we'd rather know earlier rather than later if someone struggles with that kind of boundary. Well, like I said, just a hurdle. I'm not suggesting necessarily a barricade. Yeah. <laughs> you know, see if there's something that you can interject there that slows things down a little bit and, you know, maybe create some kind of a conversation that he can have some fun with. It's like, maybe he's coming leading with sex and it's like, okay, yeah, but I'd love to talk about it. We, you know, we hardly ever talk about sex. And, and I'll just say that, you know, if if a gentle little hurdle is something that, like, if it doesn't go well, then I would treat it as an opportunity to dive deeper into, well, why did you throw up that little hurdle in the first place? What, it, what are you looking for? What are you desiring more of? If something that we are trying to engage in in the bedroom turns into conflict, it can be an opportunity to untangle things further and to create more clarity and 
it's possible to create a lot more connection through conflict should that arise. Well, I'm in this hurdle, I'm kind of presuming that the objective of the hurdle is to initiate a little bit more emotional connection. That's really all I'm suggesting. If if that's what you're looking for, if you like emotional connection and you need that from your male partner, maybe he needs a little bit of a, you know, an idea, an example of how that works. Right. So that's my suggestion is that if it doesn't play out the way you envision, that it's then an opportunity to really create clarity around, well, what does emotional intimacy mean? What does that look like? Exactly. All right. Well, that's it for this show. And please check out our website. You'll hear about that in a second here. Next week, we're talking about sensual confidence. I'm excited to cover that one. Mm, Yeah. All right. I'm Rocky. See you next week. Thanks. Bye. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Getting Off with Natalie and Rocky. For more resources and ways to work with us, visit gettingoffwithnatalieandrocky.com. Please don't forget to follow, rate, review, and share the show. Join us again next week for another stimulating episode. We're here to expand your view of what's possible in intimacy and pleasure.